This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. And we're going to start there and we're going to continue from last week's message, we're connecting the knowledge, line upon line, precept upon precept, and when you go back to study over your things, you make sure you lined it up because everything is is going to connect, a connecting of knowledge. That's one of the things about a teaching ministry. You will connect knowledge because you will be taught. Amen. So in Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, notice that is what is stated in, 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 in chapter 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. By saying that, we have the, this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure in earthen vessels is knowledge. That's the treasure we have in these earthen vessels that we reside in is knowledge. Look at verse 10. Well, let's just read on down. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. So it's saying... We're always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. We always, that, that should be in the forefront of everything that we do pertaining to the gospel is the fact that Jesus died for us. Well, he died so that we could have this treasure in earthen vessels. He died so we could have this knowledge in earthen vessels. Amen. Now, the treasure, again, is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the life also of Jesus, that, we could, that it could be manifested in our bodies through Christ Jesus. That's why we have to have a walk so that it could be manifested, that the knowledge of God got to be in their lives. Look at their walk. There is something they know that I don't know. Yes. It's that excellency. It's the knowledge that's on the inside. That's a treasure. That's a treasure. So it should be seen in our walk. Very important. Amen. It's a light in there. It's a light not only for us, but it is a light for, light for others to see Christ in us. So I'm teaching from this series of messages that's designed to show the importance the power and the purpose of knowledge. These messages should show the importance, the power, and the purpose of knowledge. 
I want to give you an a, a, a expanded definition of the word knowledge. Now, I, we last week I gave you, or two, a couple of weeks ago, I gave you a definition and I, of knowledge, and I said knowledge is understanding move to action. You all remember that. So I'm going to expand it a little bit this morning and, and, and say it this way. Knowledge is the understood Word of God put into action in a beneficial way. It is the understood Word of God put into action in a beneficial way. When we take knowledge, when we take information that we understand and put it into action, and it is the Word of God, it, it, it becomes equal to the wisdom of God. Because not only do I have it now, it has gone from information to knowledge, and now I'm walking in it, now it's wisdom. Because wisdom is actually doing what you have learned. It's only information until, and knowledge until you can walk in it. Then it becomes wisdom, wisdom of God. The beneficial manner. There is, uh, you know, we need to understand how to use this knowledge in a beneficial manner. And it loops back around. Remember, knowledge must turn. It's going to loop back around to what we call wisdom, the wisdom of God. And that's what we want. We want it to loop back around. We want to walk in the things that we've been taught, not just hear them. First of all, we learn that there's safety in knowledge. And we learn that there is safety in knowledge. If, and how is there safety in knowledge? When we know the knowledge and we teach our children the vision. When I say teach our children the vision, vision that means what God is calling me to do. What God is calling us to do. And we need to make sure that they are a part of it. Did you hear me? Safety in knowledge is one of the things is teaching our children what we are doing, what the calling of God is doing on, my, on our lives and letting them be a part of it. And we teach them the plan. We got to teach them the plan of God. And that's how we are going to carry out God's will according to His will. God's calling or what He's calling. How are we going to... you got to have a plan. Remember we talked about that. You have to have a plan. So we got to make sure they know the plan. And, if, and then we must teach them the motivation. That's why we... What, what is the motivation? Why we're doing what we're doing. This is what motivates us to do it. Amen? And we want them to be able to be a part of that information or that knowledge for the next generation. If they're not a part of it, the next generation will fail. So we need to make sure they're a part of it. Amen? That's the only sure deposit that we should be leaving in the earth. Everything else is fleeting and will pass away. But we must secure this knowledge in our children from generation to generation. And that is the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? So that what? I can put it into action. Our children can put it into action in a beneficial way. And it doesn't matter if your children right now are not putting it into action. You put, you get your hopes up and you do your part. You just stay in your lane and do your part. Don't you worry. God got it. 
He got the whole situation. You just make sure you're putting the knowledge and you're operating in a manner, in a beneficial way that your children are being blessed and allowing them to let them know you're going to be a part of this. You got to be a part of this. You're the next generation. I won't always be here and I need you to carry on. I need to know that when I leave this place that I'm going to see you in heaven. That I'm going to see my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren on down the line in heaven. Because why? You have grabbed a hold of this thing and you've seen it walked out in our family and I've left you this inheritance, this heritage that you should live holy. Amen? And then last week we talked about their strength in knowledge. So we looked at safety in knowledge. Last week we looked at the strength of knowledge. The knowledge of God that strengthens the trinity of our person. The knowledge of God that strengthens the trinity of our person. The knowledge of God strengthens our spirit. Paul prayed in the book of Ephesians that we would be strengthened on the inside with all might by the spirit of God. We got to be strengthened with this wall. And, that, and he also said that, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And that fullness is the knowledge of God. That fullness that we are being filled with is the knowledge of God. Please grab a hold of that. It is the knowledge of God. And God wants us filled, filled in our spirit. Then he also wants us filled in our minds. Get it. God wants our minds renewed, transformed, washed by the washing of the uh, water by the Word of God. God wants that so that we will be able to think correctly, make the right judgments that, you know, that's good for us on our own behalf. God said, when I wash your mind with new information and you, uh, you gain this knowledge, you're going to learn to make right decisions, right judgments about everything pertaining to your life. The only time, the only reason why we make wrong determinations in our lives, or wrong judgments, or wrong decisions, is we lack knowledge. If you have, if you are full of the goodness of God and His knowledge, you can make the right decisions, the right choices. You can be patient. You can say, you know what, I, I, just, I just don't know right now. I need to be patient because I need to know the knowledge of God on everything that I'm about to do so that I can make a righteous judgment. Amen. Because it's so, in life you're going to have to make many decisions. You're gonna to have to. You, you're gonna to have to. Let me, your parents can't make it for you, especially after you become adults. I know you can get. Let me tell you, you can get counsel from your parents, but you got to make decisions for yourself. You got to make decisions for your family because every family is different, and you need to be on point with God with the knowledge of His Word. Amen. And then the knowledge of God not only strengthens our spirit, but it strengthens our minds and our bodies. It strengthens our minds and our bodies. In Proverbs, the Word of God said it's medicine to our health, to all of our flesh, and it's health to our flesh. It not only strengthens our minds, but also our bodies. We're actually healed by the knowledge of God. The more we know, the more we walk in the use of God's Word appropriately. See, we got to walk in it. It's just not just saying the Word. you got to walk according to the word appropriately. Amen. And then you'll be better off in your spirit, 
in your mind and also in your body. The key is to take, here's the key, take what you know and put it into action in a beneficial manner. That is key. Take what I know, not what you don't know. Take what I have learned. And then what do I do? I put it into action. You can't just say, I heard it. Or yes, amen, that was good. You gotta put that into action. You gotta move to action on what I know. And then I need to use that knowledge that I have for beneficial effect in my life. Beneficial effect in my life. Are you with me? And this is the thing that we have to understand. When it comes to knowledge of God's Word, we must become one with the Word. We must become one with the Word of God. Are you with me? You have to become one. It has to go further than a head knowledge. We all have, and especially in the teaching ministry, you got to be ever so careful of that because you will get a lot of head knowledge. You will get a lot because it's teaching, and that's head knowledge. But we got to go beyond that. We got to move forward. We got to move from just head knowledge to becoming one with it. Amen. It not it has to not be what you do, but it has to be you. His knowledge has to be you. It has to just be this. This is just who I am. We have to do it so we don't you, to a place. This is how you know that that you have become one with it when you don't even think about it. it you just do it. It's not even something like, well, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me see what the Word of God said. And that's okay to do that because you're learning and growing. But no, when you don't have to do that anymore, you have become one with it. It's just, it's just who you are. It's just the normal thing. Uh, you know, I, uh, uh, my husband and I, you know, when we were married, it's some things in the house he already knew I was going to do. I was disciplined to do him. It wasn't nothing I thought about. He didn't have to think about it. And vice versa. We knew what where our strengths was, our weakness were. And we know some things you didn't have to think about. And you just automatically do it. Because it's, because it's who you are. It's not, that, it, it's not something that he had to wake up and say, you, oh, you're going to do this. He already knew. You can pretty much can tell that what our day was like. We didn't live a boring life, but we lived a disciplined life to know this is what you're gonna, we're going to do day, day to day. Why? Because it's who you are. It's not what you do. And so that's how it is with the Word of God. We've got to move from what we do to who we are. God, I, I have to become one with this Word where I just automatically, it just automatically, I just work that way. Amen? So we, that, God is calling us to that. Remember how Jesus said, I and the Word are one? How could He say that? He said that because God said it. Because God said He got it from God. God and His Word is one. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, tells us that we ought to be one with the Father and the Son. See, it's one. We have to become into the oneness. God has dealt with us in this ministry about a oneness. That's not something that we put on the back burner. All of that plays an important part in the ministry. A oneness. 
When you become a oneness, you know what? You're not, you're not caught up with who's here and who's not. I'm a oneness with the Word. It doesn't matter. i got a oneness going with God and with this ministry and what He's called me to do. So nothing else matters. Stand with the oneness. So there's strength in knowledge. There's safety in knowledge. And this morning we're going to talk about this aspect of it. There's security in knowledge. Our very security as a believer is in the knowledge of God. Please turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 6. And I want you to see Hebrews chapter 6 for the first time, even though it's not your first time. But there is security in knowledge. There's security in knowledge. Now listen to this carefully. God wants us to... uh, See, that's why I want you to be attentive to what I'm teaching here. It's very important. God wants us to be quick. He said, you know, I want us to quickly... I want, the, I want the ministry to quickly get into the depth of the knowledge of God. We've got to quickly get into the depth of it, not just information. We've got to go deeper. We've got to get into the depth of the knowledge of God. Are you in Hebrews chapter 6? Beginning at verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, now, now let's let's just go back up right here on, on that. We're, we're, let, let's go back up just that little bit. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now, let's translate this word "principle" right now before we go in for any further. That word "principle" means elementary. Means elementary. So let's read it again, and, let, and, and, and it'll make more sense to you. Now, now, listen carefully. In other words, you have to move away. Listen, listen. Therefore, leaving the elementary, the elementary things, or the elementaries of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on into perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and and of faith toward God. Listen, he just said, you know, we got to move away from the elementary things. He said, I want you to move away whereby you've just continually spending all your time repenting. See, we elementary things, continually, continually, year after year, month after month, week after week, we're constantly repenting before God for things we know we shouldn't do. When are you going to get rid of the elementary things? We're still repenting every week, every month about things we shouldn't have never done in the first place. Elementary things. Amen. Dead works. I, I like what he Just dead works. That's what, that's, that's what it's called. He said dead works and a faith toward God. Dead works. Things that didn't do us any good. And we still, Father, just forgive me. But he takes us further. Now, that's the first step. That's the first step. First, you have to stop dead works. And that's repenting from week to week. That First, let's stop that. That's dead works. Are you with me? 
I've said in time past and I'll say it again, and I'm not trying to throw shade on any ministry, any minister, any uh, evangelist or anything, but just personally from looking at the scriptures, I don't see all of the... I, I, I don't see where it's just really scriptural to always try to televise healing services and putting mics in front of, front of their face and what did God do for you and what did, I mean all the sensational things to get people it really doesn't do anything for the unbelievers because most unbelievers don't even look at that most people that's looking at it are believers but for me what it does it takes away the authentic word of God that people should see to be drawn to God not just sensational things because that can be a setup for believers because in the last days the enemy will be able to do sensational things and we're so excited about seeing sensational things that's the way you get caught up There's no better way to draw people than the name of Jesus. You don't have to do all of that. What what, what did God do for you? I'm not shocked. You know, nothing, nothing causes more repentance like the true Word of God. That's all I have to say about that. Nothing else caused more repentance than the true Word of God. And, and, And it must be lived. People need to see you living it. Truth must be seen and then truth must be proclaimed. And when we live truth so that the truth can be seen in us, then there's a proclamation of truth. Because you can see it. Man, their life. The truth of walking in the Word of God, that's the strongest witness in the world. When somebody can look and say, oh my God, they got to be living for God. It's just something about their life. Amen. See, because when we start getting into miracles and people getting caught up in them, that I, I believe in my soul because in my spirit as well as my soul. That's why we don't see a whole lot of miracles because people get so caught up in it. They forget about it. That's all they want. They want to build a whole ministry on it. Miracles are real. It's not passed away. But we, you, that people just, that's all they want. And see, when you talk about miracles, see, I, 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 for me, see, people think all those type of things are miracles. To me, the Internet's a miracle. That for me. I could better understand how a person can get up out of a wheelchair and walk by the Word of God than I can the Internet. I'd be like, how do you do what? It's a miracle how that works. I understand about healing and how a man can get up out of a wheelchair, but so why? Why get caught up in those things when the Word of God itself is true? Too many spectacular things, and it really doesn't mean anything. What people need is the unadulterated truth that changes. That's what changes. That's what changes. Now, God agrees with me. And I definitely agree with Him. Look what He says. In Hebrews, let's go back. Hebrews 6 and 1. Let's just, now we're just going to begin to, to flow on down. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying away again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God. 
So what are the elementary things that he's talking about? Of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands and of, and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Oh, and notice that the word baptisms is plural. It's plural. So it's elementary to get baptized. Elementary doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that it's not. It means it's the beginning. It's the beginning. God said, but I want you to, you learn that and then you move. It doesn't mean because it says elementary is not any importance in it. It just means the beginning. Are you following me? So what a baptism is elementary. Being filled, listen, being filled with the Holy Spirit is elementary. Baptized with the Holy Spirit is elementary. He said it here. It simply means it's the way you start out. When you look at the book of Acts, the first thing that happened in the book of Acts, they received the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptized. The disciples laid hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. And then they moved on. You don't make a religion out of those things. They're elementary. That's just the way we start. And we get excited about it when you start, but new don't last new long. Why? Because there's other knowledge you need to know. The elementary thing was just to get you to start looking that way and say, Oh my, it's just the foundation. Now you got to build on it. Are you following me? So, you got to use it according to the scriptures, the things that the elementary things, and then move on. We use it according to the scriptures. So we do baptize. Baptize, I mean you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you get baptized in water. You even get hands laid on you, all of those are elementary things, and then we move on. Let's look at verse 2 again. Of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Do you see this? You ought to be able to see this. Now, listen. No big thing. Elementary. When we lay hands on the sick and they recover, that the word said do it and then move on. Like, oh, did you see that? No, we, I believe God. Why are we all just in a, just amazement when it happens as if, wow, it's like it's magic. No, it's elementary. It's the beginning and we move on. That's exactly what the Word of God says. We have to get past that. Now, I mean, you don't forget them. You don't fail to use them. You just don't sit up and make a religion out of them. They are important. But it's just the beginning. And you know, we, 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 you know, we want to just stick right there. We want to, you know, we want to, we want to tell people, you know, the only thing that, that's going to get you into heaven is, you know, I want to scare you into heaven. You know, we want to do all the other things that just believe in what the Word says. You don't have to scare anybody to heaven. You keep doing what you're doing. I'm telling you, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to burn in hell. Well, there's people burning in hell now. I'm like, you don't, you don't have to do all that. Salvation is more than just missing hell. Salvation, did you hear that? 
Salvation is more than just missing hell. If that was, if, if it was just missing hell, when we got saved, we could have just went on to heaven. But it's about much more than that. Are you with me? God wants us to get past the elementary things. Another elementary thing, in case you didn't know, is tithing. Elementary. You get past that. Everybody ought to tithe. And you go on. We're not going to sit and make a religion out of it. We're not going to sit and try to say, you already know. Just go. Yes, when you get sick, you should have hands laid on you or lay hands on yourself. Either way, you need to do that. You ought to be, you know, you ought to be baptized in water. You ought to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You ought to be saved. You want to go to heaven. All of that is okay. But then we move on. Start out that way, and then we move on. We, why? Because we need to get some knowledge now. We got the elementary things down. Now we need some knowledge. You know, and you can't go around. That's why I said the, the, the healing thing just do it. You cannot go around and just have healing and deliverance service every Sunday with no knowledge. Oh, well tell me this, do y'all church a deliverance church? Well, yeah, we deliver the word that delivers you. See, but they want, they want the big, you know, they, uh, all that, you know, they want a show. You just can't make a ministry out of that, and many have. We have a deliverance ministry. What? Be like Layla, what, what, what? What is what? What, what is delivering? Because see, we want the spectacular, and the word is spectacular. <laughs> so we have to move past that. Oh, now I didn't say any of this. The scripture just just showed you that elementary things and this is what they are and I don't care what translation you look at as a matter of fact you look at other translations besides the King James it's going to even become clearer have you read it in the Amplified? (laughs) it become clear no no those are elementary things go and read it it'll become clear look at the Good News Bible you'll be like oh oh Read something other than the King James if you feel like that you can't understand. Simply elementary things. Amen? And we move on. I purpose in my heart the time that I have left here on the earth and the time that God has put me into this pastorate. I want to pastor a church that people don't get just overly excited about healing because as if they didn't expect it. I mean, we're excited and, and, and thankful that you got it, but... I don't want us to act like, oh, we can't believe God did that. No, we expected it because it's in His Word. We are tight enough in His Word that we understand, thank God that it is, but I expected it. I expected it. That, 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 that's my heart. When somebody gets healed, get filled, we have knowledge enough on the inside of us that we say, that's God. That's who he is. So, it's some knowledge in this Bible. 
It's knowledge in this Bible. We need to understand that. And we need to obtain it. And we need to walk in it. Not, not, not stand with the elementary thing. We need to get the knowledge and learn to walk in it. Listen, when the enemy is attacking your body and your mind and your home, you don't need a deliverance service. You need knowledge. How do we get out of this? I need some knowledge about what to do about this. I don't need anybody coming over my house throwing olive oil all over my house saying, you know, I'm driving my... This place is cleansed. Sounds like the... What is that movie? Uh, uh, who? Yeah, was it? He said the exorcist. But if, if, you know that little short woman when the girl was doing that and she's this place... Poltergeist. Yeah. Well, that's all they do at those services. You know, and then we just come in and we don't come in your house. And then could they leave out this place is cleansed. No, no. I, no we're not having any of the, all of that foolishness. I have enough knowledge in the Word. God tells me what to do. Not a bunch of foolishness and about a bunch of emotionally charged stuff. Amen. So when he's attacking our body and mind, we need to stand on the knowledge. When people around you or close to you die, and it looks like things are not going to work, you need something. You need knowledge. There's security in knowledge. Let's move on. In verse 4. For it is impossible for those... Well, oh, let me just go on and read down. And this will we do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meet for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessings from God. In other words, he said, if they should fall away, it's hard to bring them back into repentance. And you know, when we say that, we like, well, how do you mean? Let me give you an example. For example... If someone has a very close relationship with God and something happened in their life and God has shown them miraculous... Because God gives visions and dreams. He has shown them miraculous things. Have shown them the other side and shown them different things for them to go on. And they get all of those blessings and they've been in the presence of God. They've had an experience with the God. And they come out and live another kind of way. It's hard to get them back. It's hard to get them back because they taste it. They've seen. They know. That's where we don't want to be. I like verse 7. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, the rain that comes upon the earth often, and bringeth forth herbs, meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. In other words, when the earth receives the water of God and brings forth fruit for those who have been cultivating the earth, 
they receive the blessing of God. Those that have been doing what they're supposed to, you're going to receive the blessing. As the rain comes down earth and nourishes it, let me tell you, God is going to provide. God said, you have been on board. You've had the knowledge on how this operates. You've been cultivating the whole earth and you are in place to be blessed. Blessings of God. Look at verse 8. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. In other words, the same earth, the same earth that received the same amount of water and refused to bear fruit, bring forth bad works, thorns and thistles, that's what that is, when a person, you get the same one. That's when the Bible says that he calls the rain on the good and the bad. The good and the bad. We all get it. We all get some the rain because we live here. He said, but if, if, if you bring forth bad works, thorns and thistles, that's what it is. He said, their end is going to be burned. When the rain comes, you better have some knowledge. Stay put. To stay put. Look at verse 9. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. You know, I know it seems like sometimes in my teachings and the way God is leading me to lead this ministry, it seems like that... uh, um, I might be a kind of just a stickler on trying to drive different different things home to you, different series and different to, to get you where you need to be. All I'm trying to do when I do that is to push you forward. I gotta push you forward. God said, push them forward. And it might seem like I'm pressing and like, oh, well, you know, yeah, that was good, but you know. I'm like, no, Father, they got, yes, they got to do better. So press them more. Press them more with the Word. So in my study time and my time to, when I'm praying for the members of this church, I've said, God, I want to give them a 100% fold of God's Word at all times. Your Word, 100%. Whatever, you know, whatever I can do to push them, push them forward. Now, it might not be comfortable, but no, it's pushing you forward, always. I want you to move on. And then when I look like, oh, it seems like I'm, you know, maybe I'm pushing too hard and I'm, you know, I'm connecting it and I'm trying to push it on. And then somebody will call me or they'll text me and tell me what a blessing it was. And how it changed their life. And how this did. I'll put this into practice and it changed it. Or they'll send me an email and tell me that. Then it makes me want to go on. Because it's like, Father, I'm on the right track. Because somebody's being blessed. You know, sometimes ministers are more harder on themselves. Like, well, wait, am I just, you know, do I need to just kind of ease up a little? No, just go forward. Then when you see people are getting blessed, you move forward. Look at verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. 
And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. We're talking about the fact that there's security in godly knowledge. I love that. I love that. And look, 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 let's just read on from 13 down. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessings I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, meaning Abraham. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the mutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled from refuge to lay hold upon hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of our souls, both sure and steadfast, that which entereth into that within the veil. That's within the veil. Notice what God is saying here. God said, I could not swear by anything because there's not one thing that's greater than me. <laughs> then God said he had to swear by himself. You know, you know how we used to always say, I swear to God. But he said, I swear by me. <laughs> you know, I swear to God. You know, we back and forth. But he swore by himself before me. He said, I swear before me. So there's nobody bigger than God. So he took an oath on himself. And he can't lie. Now you need to understand how strong this is when I say there's security in knowledge. He took an oath on himself. So he's saying, when I tell you something, you can be secure in it. I'm taking an oath to it. When I tell you something, you can be secure in it. You can go home and rest on it. Notice Abraham with patience did wait to receive the promise. And that's one thing about believers. What we do, we, what we do is we run out of patience. We need to take the example of Abraham and learn to be patient. If God tells us he's going to do something, for surely God is going to do it. And I like what he says in 18, there's two immutable things. The two immutable promises of his counsel. And he confirmed those two immutable promises with an oath. He didn't only make it, he, he did it with an oath. See, see, we, we can't get real excited about that because, see, we're used to breaking oaths. But we're talking about a God, if he did an oath, it's sealed. There's no retracting that. Hmm. 
And one of those immutable things is that we have a promise from God that He cannot change. See, immutability means unchanging. Immutable means unchangeable. So He just said, I won't change. God has promised us that He will not change. The second thing that we have an oath to back up that promise. An oath to back up that promise that God... And what is that oath? That God cannot lie. That, see, now that ought to just secure everything. For God cannot lie. Now that's powerful. That's powerful. Those things he said are unretractable, immutable. Who we got to get a revelation of that? Write it down. Those things are unretractable, immutable, and confirmed. Those immutable things, what? That he cannot lie and that he will not change. Those things. He cannot change. And he backed it up with an oath. He cannot lie. Now hold this in your mind. Again, we are secure in the knowledge of God. When God tells us something, He will secure it. It's secured. And God wants us to believe that it is secure. See, that's what's wrong with God's people. We don't believe it. We want confirmation. We want this. We want. And God said, I want you, when I tell you something in my word, I want you to feel secure. But see, we look at things around us. And it makes us doubt the security of God. But He's got the immutability. He, he swore by Himself. It's unchangeable. And He cannot lie. He confirmed it with an oath. We're secure. God, you said it. I, see, I don't care the way it looks. I don't care the way it feels. Smell, taste. I don't care what it does to my five senses. I'm secure because he cannot lie. I'm secure with that. There are three things that characterize this word security. And we're going to work on them one by one. The first thing that characterizes the word security is freedom. Security is freedom. So when I say that there is security in godly knowledge, I'm saying that there is a freedom in godly knowledge. Because that's one of the characters of secure. And that is to be free. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 8. Run over there. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31. And it reads, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Notice that he said, If you continue in my word. Now that has to be in place. You just can't say you 
are His disciples. He gave you what needs to be done to be His disciples indeed. See, there's many that are His disciples, but not indeed. Because He said, the ones that are indeed My disciples, they have to continue in My Word. Continue in My Word. Now, the knowledge of God is His Word. When I say the knowledge of God, I'm talking about the Word of God. They're almost interchangeable. Look at verse, oh, let's read 31 and 32. Then said God unto those Jews which believeth on Him, If you continue in My Word, then you are My disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now notice what it did not say, where many people misquote. He did not say it will set you free. It said it will make you free, not set you free. Most Christians misquote that. In other words, it will transform. Listen, and when it makes you free, it's going to transform you from what you used to be to what you ought to be. It's going to transform you from what you used to be to what you ought ought to be. Make you over. He made me over. He'll make you over. I'm free because I'm not what I used to be. Because if I was what I used to be, guess what? I wouldn't be free. I would not be free. Look what it says in verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we've been Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. Now, how sayest thou we shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is, of, is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which ye have seen with your father. Now that's clear. That's very clear. Now if you don't know who their father is, jump over to verse 44. It says, Ye are of your father's the devil. Jesus said that. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. We have freedom in knowledge. We have freedom in knowledge. Write this down. We are free. When I say freedom in knowledge, we are free from danger. We are free from fear, and we are free from decay. I'll say it again. When I say that we have freedom in knowledge, we are free from danger, from fear, and decay. That means you are in a safe place because it is knowledge that makes us free from danger. It is knowledge that makes us free from fear. It's knowledge that makes us free from decay. Let's use a natural example to abstract a spiritual truth here. 
The more knowledge, just naturally, the more knowledge you have about your body, in the natural, I'm not even talking spiritually, just, just in the natural, the more knowledge that you have about health, nutrition, and those types of things, or exercise, how to take care of your, your health, the, more, the longer you're going to live, period. the better off you're going to be. That, let, let, let's put it this way. The healthier you're going to be, the more knowledge you have of it. Just naturally. You're going to decay less because you got knowledge on what I need to eat, how I need to put it together, you know, what kind of exercise I need to do. That's knowledge that have made it where now you got, uh, you know, a little less decay. But what if you have no knowledge? Eating anything I want to, any time of night, all the time, any time, wherever I want to, however I want to. Let me tell you, you're decaying and don't even know it. Because you lack knowledge on what is and what's not to do and what to do and what, you know, those type of things. That's just natural. This is just a natural illustra- illustration. Showing you that when you have knowledge of something, it changes everything. If you have knowledge of things, and this is natural or spiritual, it changes things. The Word of God keeps you clean. The Holy Spirit on the inside will tell you, don't go there. Don't do that. Be still. Keeping you out from danger. It frees you from danger. Frees you from fear and decay. It's that little, still, small voice on the inside telling you that. I know sometimes we wish, you know, God would holler at us and say, Fool, don't do that. But He just won't. He's just a still, small voice saying, No. But, and He's not trying to push you back from it. He's not trying to push. He just tell you, Now, that's not for you. That's not for you. Also, that word freedom means that we are free, have freedom from poverty. Mm. We have freedom from poverty. Oh, yes, we do. You have freedom from poverty. Yes, you do. Again, we're talking about security and the knowledge of God. Now, this is what you need to understand. Just because you have freedom doesn't mean that you won't suffer well, just because, like I said, you have freedom from poverty, just because you're free from it, don't mean you can't suffer with it. I'm going to prove it to you. Just because you have free, you're free from it, because you're free from poverty, doesn't mean you won't suffer from it. I said again, just because you have free, you're free from it, because again, Freedom it means that you're free. I mean, uh, means that you're free from poverty. Does not mean that you won't suffer from it. Example: Some people that smoke, believers, smoke, and they say, "I can't quit." Yes, you can, because many have. Thousands upon thousands have. So it's not that you can't, because you got a freedom to. 
just stop. I'm talking about security and knowledge. Are you with me? You know, I can't quit. Well, you you know, you're free to quit. You can quit. You're free. All you have to do is put it down. That's all. See, you're free. Nobody's making you do it. You can just put it down. That's the kind of freedom you have. Just put it down. I can't stop drinking. Yes, you can. Put the glass down. Just put it down. That's your freedom to walk away. See, that's what I mean. That's because you're free from it. Don't mean you won't suffer in it. It's not automatic that you just... No, no. Put it down and walk away. Thousands have stopped drinking. Millions. Thousands have stopped smoking. Millions. I can't stop fornicating. Yes, you can. Stop going over there. Just stop going over there. You just got to stop going over there to fornicate. That's how you quit. You just stop. You don't need deliverance. That's our spirit. We need to do a deliverance. No, no. That don't have nothing to do. You got to stop. Because you're free from it. See, lust just don't go away. <laughs> lust just don't go away. That's why the Bible says, yield not to temptation. It just ain't going to go away. <sighs> Hundreds of thousands of people have stopped. You're free from poverty. Now, now how? When you say free from poverty, now how, how can we be free from poverty? God has, is, and always will to have provided for his people. Always. He has provided. Look all through the scripture. He provided for those. When famines, he provided for his. Go back through history in the Bible. But when he provided for, for them, there was always an infrastructure to do that in the natural. That's why we have to build an infrastructure here. See, it's nothing magic. He did it because our infrastructure is already there to make the provision. That's what God is doing with our church. He's providing for us and He's making it. That's why you have to be stable, solid. Because you don't see it. Let me tell you, you don't understand. We're well on our way. We're well on our way. God's like, nope, he's, going, he's providing us an infrastructure. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. See, that's the problem. We want to just, boom, that's not the way it works. Everybody say, we're well on our way. Now, this is for those who are on one accord, those who believe, and those that come together and we network our resources together. And then God provides a safe place for all of us. We, but we got to network it together. Listen, there is nothing that can happen to any of us as long as we stay together. Know that. 
as long as we stay together. There's enough love between us. See, it's not about how, many, how big the number is. It's about us all staying together. God won't let anything happen to any of us. We're free from that poverty. If we can realize that we are cemented together, I'm cemented with them. I belong to them. They belong to me. We're cemented together. So you've got to get a revelation of that. See, that'll cement you in a ministry and you won't hop around. Because I have a revelation. I'm seeing it together and I'm help building an infrastructure. Because God is making sure. And as long as we all stay together and we all put our resources together, get things done, let me tell you, no, there will be no poverty. How many times have God told us? It is impossible. We, um, let me tell you, if we, you, you got, you, we got to come together. We want to be free from poverty. Because there's a freedom. You don't have to be touched by it. Now, listen. This is the, and, and see, this is what happens in ministries, and this is why we don't see it. In this, I said we have to all be together. It's when you start becoming a long ranger that we can't do it. You cannot be a long ranger in this. No, you can't do it your own way. But I think no, no, no. That this is what breaks down the infrastructure. You must humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and say, Father, whatever you say, we're building this infrastructure. I'm telling you, if you would stay and we all be cemented together, this whole ministry, everyone in here will be free from poverty. But you cannot do it alone. You can't sit up in a ministry and be alone. And do your own, I'm just, just me. No. It's only in the infrastructure that God is providing you free from it. Did you hear that? It's only in the infrastructure that God is providing you freedom from poverty. But see, you got to be in the infrastructure. You can't be outside of it. You can't do your own thing. It's in the infrastructure that God is going to provide for you. Nothing can happen to any of us if we're all together. Nothing. Now, I hear somebody's mind. Well, what about, you know, can, can you prevent dying? Dying is a part of life. That's a part of life. Now, you, now you're thinking foolishly. See, that, that's called a lack of knowledge. See, God is trying to build an infrastructure here that from generation to generation, they will know God. And you're talking about a person dying. We're all going to die. That doesn't have anything to do with this. You just need to be a part of the infrastructure before you die. So you can leave something for the next generation. And we all have to be together. All have to be together. We gotta to be cemented together. We gotta to say as long as we're together in the infrastructure, and as long as we're pooling our resources together to get things done, God is going to provide. 
always remember this statement. The, ble- the best players never win championships. It's always the best team. It's not the best player. I'll say it again. The best players never win championships. It's the best team. That's in the NFL, the NBA, all of those. I'm telling you, you could find a, a team that doesn't have the, you know, the, 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 the big marketable athletes on it and, and they, they've all come together and you got the other team that got, you know, they got two or three that's the, you know, they woo, they're the top of the line, whatever, athlete or whatever. And that team wins. They'd be like, how did they win? They didn't even have anybody on it because they were a team. Versus just good players. A few good players. And you get that, listen, you get that same team that maybe went to the Super Bowl that didn't have any great players on, and you put them on another team, and they don't do anything. Because now they're individual. Whereas a team, it, it works. It always works. Give me a good team and I'll be good players every time. That's what I want here. A good team will beat great players all the time. And see, all the great teams have great coaches. And what a coach do, what kind of coach do we have? (laughs) We have the ultimate. We have the ultimate. God is the ultimate coach. Great teams that win, they have good, great coaches. We got Jesus sitting in the booth, calling the plays. We don't need no headphones in the helmet. We got the Holy Spirit living on the inside, and sometimes he run up and down the sideline. Go to the left. Go to the right. Go to, he's right there, but he's telling us all, because why? We're working as a team to get it done. We have a great coaching staff. And see, we are free from danger, fear, and decay. We're free from poverty. And we're free from failure. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, the gates of hell can be successful uh, to a person in the church or hanging around the church. But the gates of hell will never be as successful against the church. Why? Because we have the promise of God. He cannot lie. It's an immutable, unchangeable promise that he sealed with an oath. So I don't care how it looks. An individual can fail, but the church can't. He can't lie. He can't change. See, this makes you free from apprehension. And see, apprehension is a fear of torment concerning the future. That's what apprehension is. It's the fear of torment concerning the future. Don't worry about your future when God has spoken. Don't worry about it. Why should you worry about your future when the coach is already in your tomorrow? Already in your tomorrow. He's in your tomorrow waiting for you to get there. And you worry. He's like, just come on. 
Why should you fear about tomorrow? When your coat is in your tomorrow, waiting for you to get there. Move. You know, in Matthew where Jesus said, Seek, first seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. He talked about the fact that, he said, now, what can you, can you add just one statue or even a cubit to your statue? Just a, can, can you add any of that? Can you count the hairs on your head? Can you, do, can you walk on the bottom of the ocean? Can you put your a hook in the jaw of the Leviathan? Can you tell the ocean to come up and then just stand right there and say, don't go no further, and it starts rolling back? He said, don't, don't worry about these things. He said, I know you have need of every. I know your needs. So why worry? Why worry? He know you need some things tomorrow. He know you need some things that you don't even know about today that you need. See, we got to think on God differently. But God makes provision for your tomorrow. While you're going through today, He's already made provision. And so what is my job? My job is to take care of what's precious to Him. Because he's taking care of what's precious to me. So God, I need to be busy and about your business. Because you're taking care of what's, pre- uh, what's precious to me. There's security and knowledge. And you need to know that so you can be free. That there's security and knowledge. And the only thing that makes me free is that I know that. See, you got to know that, become one with that in order to be free. Because you live in a world, many things are going to show up on your plate. You got to know that. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow is in God's hands. Another thing I'm free from, I'm free from the law of sin and death. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Come on, we can go there. Where am I? I try to put it all in here so I can move quickly. We're free from the law of sin and death. In Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? The grace may abound. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we are also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, 
that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Here we are. For he that is dead is free from sin. He that is dead is free from sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to life. See, you cannot tempt a dead person, a dead man. You cannot. See, right now, if I would go over to pastor's grave, and I'd put uh, uh, just a, a just a spread of food on the grave. If I came back tomorrow, guess what would be on that grave? A spread of food, because dead people do not. Food is not what they do, and he's not there. He's not there. The remains are there. He just said, you're dead, it makes you free from sin. Just an illustration. Dead, a dead person cannot speak, cannot eat. They don't need any of those things. Their remains is just that, the remains. They're no longer there. Are you with me? So, I'm dead to sin. But knowing that, look at verse 8. But sin taken occasion... Where, where am I? Oh, I'm over here. Uh, verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourself to be dead. See, a lot of this is on you. God ain't doing it. He said, you reckon yourself. Verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice all of this is up to you. He said, reckon not. Then reckon yourself dead. Let not this happen. He said, that's up to you. You have to stop it. Don't let it happen. Well, Pastor, that's, it's not easy. Yes, it is. Just stop. Just stop. This is what you need to know. Knowledge will help you stop. Knowledge will help you stop. Knowledge will wipe away an addiction. Knowledge will. You don't have to take all those drugs. Knowledge will wipe away an addiction. Look at verse 12. Wherefore the law... Well, I'm on the wrong one again. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield yourself members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. 
What then? Shall we sin because we are under the law, but under grace, we were not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death or disobedience unto righteousness. Either way, that's who you're going to yield to. If you're going to be righteous, you're going to yield to that. If you're going to be in sin, you're going to yield to that. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Remember when you were serving sin? Did you notice you were free from righteousness? <laughs> you were free from righteousness. When you were the, now, now that's the truth right there. Now that is the truth right there. When you were a servant of sin, you were free from righteousness. See, when you were a servant of sin, you weren't tempted to go to church. When you were fornicated, you weren't saying, "Oh, I wish I was baptized in the Holy Ghost." See, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't tempted in none of those areas because you were free from righteousness. You weren't tempted to say, "Praise the Lord." You didn't crave and say, "Oh, I really want to go have communion." None of that, because you were free from righteousness because you were serving sin. I don't know not one person that was in sin who was craving to be baptized. Because you were, you were free from righteousness. Far from it. You were practicing sin on the regular. But he said, now reckon yourself free from sin and all its trappings. You have to reckon yourself. That means you got to stop and say, nope. It's the same thing in verse 20 and 21. For when ye were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. 21. What fruit have ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things was death. Let me, every one of us got something that we could be ashamed of. He said, you, at that time, you, 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 he's, he's just telling us about our lives. Showing us how... He, we could trust him. Let me, let me put it. Showing us how we could trust him with our little dirty secrets. So see, he just, he put it in the Bible and he's getting it taught so nobody won't say, oh, they called me out. Oh, they, they were talking about me. He's talking about everybody. So the first aspect of secure is to be free. The second aspect of secure means to have a guarantee. A guarantee. See, there's freedom 
you are securing the word of God. Not only that, you have a guarantee. Watch this. First of all, you have a guarantee for eternal life. Go with me, if you will, to Titus. Titus. Come on over to Titus. It's a couple of, couple of scriptures over from Timothy. Go to Titus. You're guaranteed eternal life. That's why you can lay aside all of this other stuff and move on. Titus, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Now that is a guarantee. That's a guarantee. You are now guaranteed that. You are secure in that. So what are you going to worry about? He just gave you a guarantee right there, no matter what. There's nothing in this world for you to worry about when he just said, he just gave you, given you, guaranteed you eternal life. You have a guarantee of eternal life. Guess what? You can't Die. What? 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 You can't die. Now, you can leave your body and be present with the Lord, but you can't die. You can't bury a Christian. You can't bury a Christian. You bury the remains. That's why the undertaker, they, they never call it the person. They call it the remains. Because the person is not there. And I've come to this, it, just doing this study, I've come to this, this deal and I'm make sure my sons do it. When I leave, and when, a cat, when I'm in the casket, I want to make sure that as the, when the service, as the people come in, I want a sign put in front of my, y'all make sure y'all Make sure y'all iterate this. I'll tell my son. I want a sign put in front of my cat to say, she's not here. Because I'm not. That's why what I said about going to Pastor, he's not there. I'm like, put a big sign right there. Those that want to view the body, she's not here. What you want to look at? Nothing to worry about. I have eternal life. I don't get buried. I leave my body. My husband has never been buried. He left his body. Very apropos, the name remains. Because that's all it is. It'll do good to just say, not only is she not here, she, what's in that castle, she just told us to discard that. Because I'm getting a glorified body. That thing needs to go back to the dirt. See, we have to, knowledge, 
That's all I have to say about that. You have to have knowledge of that to even understand. Oh, that's just, I just can't do it. Yeah, that's because you lack knowledge. Absent in the body, present with the Lord. I believe it. Slip over to 2 Timothy, just a few pages over. 2 Timothy 1. You have a guaranteed on eternal life. You have a guarantee of the performance of His Word. Write it down. Second Timothy 1, verse 7. Let's read that so we can, we can verify that. Beginning at verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us with a call and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now listen, we have to understand this. You have a guarantee of eternal life. Here is the promise. Here is the promise. He just told us. Look, look he's he set the deal. Run over to Luke. Run over to Luke right quick. He said, he said, he's, he's just set us up for the promise. Run over to Luke. <clears throat> We're almost there. You, you're just fine. Luke chapter 1. Now let's look at the manifestation. He already, already set it up for us in Timothy verse, chapter 1 verse 7 through 9. Here's the promise. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 1, let's look at the manifestation. Now, now you know, it tells us in Isaiah, it tells us this one thing. Well, you know what, should I go to? You know, in, you don't have, just write Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, where it says a child is born. Uh, so, you know what, I'm going to go over there. You all just stay there. You all just stay there. I, I still want to read that. Because I, I, I want you to have a clarity of vision. In our chair, Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. That's key. The Lord of hosts shall perform it. Now go to Luke. Chapter 1. Let's look at the manifestation. Now he said, The zeal of the Lord shall perform it. Over here in Luke, we see Mary is expecting Jesus. She was expecting at that time with Jesus Christ. 
And watch this. She says in verse, what she says in verse 45. <clears throat> it says, And blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. The Lord of hosts shall perform it. She said, And blessed, and blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. In other words, when God promised something, there shall be a performance of it. When God says there shall be a performance of it. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. God is so good. I tell you, I just love God. I can't get enough of Him, no matter how many years I'm on this planet. Romans chapter 4. Listen, I want us to be secure in God's Word. If God said it, He's going to keep His Word. I saw it in Sister Allen's life and I saw it in her death. God kept His Word. Remember God said to Abraham, He said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. At the time He told Abraham that, old Abe was about 75 years old. When He said it, 25 years later, nothing had happened. Here He is, 100 now, and He's like, uh, God... I know you know everything. And I ain't doubting it, but I do know this one thing because I'm in this body. I'm dead and so is Sarah. I mean, the Scripture tells you that. Look at Romans chapter 4. Beginning at verse 18, it says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become a father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that he had promised and he was able also to perform. And therefore it was uh, imputed to him for righteousness. God is always able to perform that which he's promised. Now that's strong. Go back and check the promises he made to you. I don't care how long it's been. He's faithful to perform it. When we talk about guarantee, we have a guarantee on eternal life. We have a guarantee on the performance of God's Word. We have a guarantee. And we'll continue next week on the covenant rights and benefits. Out of Psalms 103. We have a right and a guarantee to the covenant rights and benefits. We ought to be excited about that. We ought to be excited about the knowledge of God. The security in that knowledge. 
I'm secure. It doesn't matter how it looks. doesn't matter how it sounds. doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Father, you're building an infrastructure, and what you say, Father, I'm here. I'm there. I'm seeming it in. Won't be moved. Can't be moved. Fully persuaded. Not moved by what any man says. He's well able to perform it. See, God can perform. God performs. We just read it. Mary said, He's going to perform it. Isaiah said, The Lord of shall perform it. See, we keep thinking that we have to do something. He's the, he, he's the one on stage. He's the one that got the power to perform it. We just need the knowledge and be secure in that knowledge. There's safety in knowledge. There's security in knowledge. And we're going we're gonna to turn that knowledge enough to make it become wisdom from future generations, from generation to generation. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.